Welcome everyone to the Star Wars Historian Show here on the Gazebel Fight Network, also on YouTube. My name is David Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host and best friend, Luke Fournay. Luke, yeah. how are you, man? Doing all right. Just watched a new episode of Mandalorian, and I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, so this is it, guys. Season three of The Mandalorian has now is now underway, as the first episode just dropped this past Wednesday. Man... It, it just feels really good to be back in the Mandoverse. Oh, yes. Not in, And not in terms of the Book of Boba Fett or even the Ahsoka show, but like actually focusing on Din Djarin, his story, as well as Grogu's story uh, on top of that. But Luke, just kind of give me your first thoughts on Chapter 17 as this show just kicked off its new season. Uh, love it. I mean... Honestly, I'm right there with you where I'm glad to be back with Din Djarin. Uh, he's just a character that um, you can really enjoy a lot. And so there's a lot of things that are also kind of a lot of books that are opened uh, in this first chapter that I'm excited to see where those little plot lines go. But it's, uh, it's shaping out to be a great season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It. As soon as it popped on, it was only, it wasn't a very long episode. It's about 35 minutes long. And I don't, it like literally from the first scene, I was just, I was into it. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it had me. And I don't really know why. It, I mean, I guess I just love this character so much mm-hmm. of Din Djarin. I love Grogu. I love what they're trying to do and what they're focused on. And even again, we're we're focusing on Mandalorian culture because that's the first scene that we jump into. I mm-hmm. mean, we at first I thought this was a flashback scene yeah. of, of Din Djarin receiving his helmet, joining the clan, taking on the creed. But no, it, it wasn't. It was a it was a beautiful ceremony, I think, of Mandalorians coming together for this young boy, getting his first helmet, putting that thing on. I mean, just an amazing process. And then, of course, like any other show, a big monster beast just comes out of nowhere. Giant snapping turtle comes in and ruins <laughs> the whole ceremony. Ruins the whole ceremony. And again. This entire scene, I thought it was Din Djarin. Ooh. I was just like, oh my gosh, are they going to say that Din Djarin as a child defeated this huge <laughs> beast? Because this was a brave little boy who the rest of the small children were like, Running hey, away, go away. Don't, still there. Yeah, yeah, don't be here. And this this one boy that we're focusing on isn't really doing that. He's He's staying there. But then we we say, oh no, this is present day because here comes Din Jarn and his Nabooian Starfire Starfighter, mm-hmm. um, and takes this thing down in like two shots. See, I the, I feel kind of dumb because at that point I still was under the impression that it was a flashback, and I was like, oh, are they just on Naboo? <laughs> and and did not even realize that like it was actually Mando until he got out of the vehicle, essentially. Yeah. It it was such a, such a cool scene. Great way to kick it off. But 
it's also sad at the same time, the conversation that he has, didn't has with the armor because she's saying, you're still, you're not a Mandalorian. You know, you took off your helmet, you broke the creed. Like this, you need to leave. This is not a place for you. And just to see Din just right. like, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to go to Mandalore. Well, you can't go to Mandalore. The mines have been destroyed by the Empire, this, this, and that. And Din's just like, no, if there's viable, I mean, because he, he took out this like crystal thing that, you know, was from the mines and whatnot. You know, we see that there there is still a possibility that the mines are still there mm-hmm. and he can be cleansed for his transgressions, this, this, and that. And he's just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. And the armor is just like, okay, go for it. Do this. And it, it's just what this episode seems to do. And again, we'll talk about the, the criticisms already. I mean, Star Wars fans can't go without criticizing something in, in a show. But this this week's complaint has to do with for some reason, people are saying that this was a filler episode. Uh-huh. To, to me, it was foundational. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's set the stage for this season. This is going to be season three's goal. This is what's going to happen. These are the storylines that are being presented to you all up front. Not a so filler. I guess they... <laughs> I like. Are they just mad that he didn't immediately go to Mandalore? I guess. So what do they think that the original trilogy would have been better if after Obi-Wan found Luke on Tatooine that Luke just ran up to the Emperor and stabbed him? Threw him down the... the I don't the know. I, I Is don't that know. what they would prefer for the original trilogy? For the prequel trilogy, Qui-Gon finds baby Anakin and... Child Anakin, Anakin turns to the dark side. <laughs> turns to the dark side and slaughters all the Jedi. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what filler means. I, I have now. What I'm feeling like is that fans, fans are for those who are listening to the audio <laughs> format and are not able to take uh, pleasure in. David's uh, visual cues. He just did quotation marks. I did quotation marks because I mean, I, I, what else can I do at this point? Because, like, they're they're, I I think they're using filler just as a way to say, okay, I didn't. This didn't do what the what I wanted it to do. That's that's essentially what they mean by filler, mm-hmm. not not what it actually means. Of hey, this is an episode that we're putting in so we can meet the episode quota, but still kind of keeps keeps the same format of the show but it doesn't progress the story as much as we need to because we need to stretch out we need to stretch out that time that's not what this episode was it was a flat out foundational episode that says this is where we are and this is where we're going and this is what it's going to take for us to get to get there right flat out what it was yeah Um, and because it sets up storylines with obviously with the Mandalorian clan, uh, with the uh, children of the watch. Next, we see a storyline with Navarro heading Ooh. back to Navarro to 
I, I feel like this is going to come back. Mm-hmm. The pirates versus to. the planet of Navarro. I think yeah. that's what this was setting up because Karga, he's going to have to deal with these pirates again. Like I, there's no way this is a one and done situation. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, you kill three pirates, you, you lose Marshall Dune, which mm-hmm. let's talk about that here for a quick second. So right. it seems like Kara <laughs> Dune is still going to be part of this universe. Um, it's unfortunate that the actress who plays Cara Dune no longer going to be playing the character. I, I would love to see this character recast though, because mm-hmm. I think the character itself is a strong presence. I yeah. think it, it worked. So I, I'm hoping that it, it it's a recast and it's redone because it, it's needed. I think they yeah. did a really good job of explaining why she's no longer around you know she was recruited by special forces of the new republic that makes sense yeah that was set up in season two right so you're not forcing anything there mm-hmm. but now navarro is left without a marshal which cargo tries to get the mandalorian to be the new marshal and the marshal <laughs> the marshal the the mandalorian is saying well i got i got stuff to do i, yeah. I got things to do but we get this really cool scene a standoff with Karga and the Mandalorian versus these pirates who, for some re- like, for some reason, want to drink at a school. It was well, a bar. That's so that was they, cool. the, yeah, they can't. They don't appreciate all the changes that grief has brought to Navarro, and so, like, as their kind of way of keeping him under their thumb, Vane is like. Well, you're deep down. You're still a pirate, so and deep down, this is still your saloon. So, come and let's drink here. But yeah, yeah, just a really, but it was a really cool scene of just even Carl Weathers, who plays Grief Carga, like does such a good job in this scene. He he goes from a someone who was in charge of payroll for the hunter's guild to an administrator, to a high magistrate, someone with responsibility, but is still, still saying like, you know what? I can still, I can still fight if I have to, Mm -hmm. I still will protect the people of my city if I have to. Um, And just the whole story with IG 11 coming Mm -hmm. back into play of, you know, I'm going to need IG-11 for my trip to Mandalore. I need him. Let's make it happen. Really crazy that as soon as he turned him on, mm-hmm. it became the original <clears throat> IG-11 whose right. sole purpose was to kill Grogu. That's still going on. Um, but I thought that they really set up the Navarro story extremely well because we're going to have to come back to it. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to, we have to. Yeah. And seeing how the Mandalorian plays into that is going to be interesting because mm-hmm. Navarro since season one has had so much growth and so much change. Like we had already talked about with the bar becoming the school, people having jobs, the marketplace being flourishing and booming. I would, re- it's really going to be sad if the pirates 
end up just obliterating it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be so let down. Yeah, it's gonna be so bad. Well, I feel like I don't know. My my guess, my prediction mm-hmm. is that we will see the Mando come and defend Navarro from the pirates, and that it'll be whenever he reactivates IG Eleven. Um, that the pirates will come and attack. But, yeah. I mean, especially whenever you see that big kind of like uh, big cruiser that they have, um, that thing could do some damage. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah I totally see that. And j- just for the brief moment of seeing Din's new starfighter in combat in space. Oh yeah, it was so cool to see. Uh, and that was something that was, I think, is very Star Warsy that has been missing from I the agree. other seasons I, of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this was like, this was like Empire Strikes Back quality kind of space fighting, right? Uh, Revenge of the Sith quality space fighting is really good stuff, and uh, we just haven't. Because the Razor Claw was such a piece of junk, we haven't really gotten to see that. So now that he's in the Naboo and Starfighter, he can kind of show off a little bit more. Yeah, I do miss the Ra- Razor Crest a little bit. Um, crest, that's right. I, was, I, I, <laughs> I, I think the Razor, or I was mixing it up with the Raven's Claw, I think, which is Kyle Kutai. Yeah, I was also I was just like, crest. man, that's such a good ship too. Um, but I do miss the Razor Crest. But there's something about that, like again, the Nabooian Starfighter wasn't my favorite, but the way that it's decked out now, yeah, is super cool, and I think it's really cute of how the where Grogu sits on like that top half, mm-hmm. <laughs> he basically has an elevator that goes yeah. down. <laughs> he can end up in the cockpit with. Din, mm-hmm. uh, but I also really love the line of just like uh, being Mandalorian, and I, I'm probably going to butcher this line, but like being a Mandalorian isn't simply about how to fight, but how to navigate through the galaxy. Because mm-hmm. you and, never know when you'll have to go, or yeah, yeah, and so that's just again the the when people are saying, okay, why why is Grogu back with the Mandalorian? Like, why can't they be? I think it's a really beautiful story of just, mm. you know, their destinies don't necessarily have to be exclusive from one another. Yeah. I think what we don't see enough of is the story of four sensitives who do not choose the path of the Jedi, mm-hmm. who do not deny themselves their attachments, who would say, I'm not willing to give this up. And for that to be okay. Yeah maybe when we view the Jedi, we view that as kind of a bad thing of, you know, your attachments is going to get the best of you, you know, with that much power, not a really good thing, Mm -hmm. but I think it works for in this, in this situation, in this story. And we're going to explore Grogu's story even further in the show, which I'm really, really excited about. But one of the Easter eggs that you have to have seen star Wars rebels is when they hit the hyperspace 
we see purgles. Mm -hmm. And I was, <laughs> I was <laughs> geeking out at that because I thought that that was so cool. And I, I saw videos on TikTok of someone um, showing that scene. And then, you know, that little car fan in the movie cars where it's like lightning mcqueen <laughs> like all that uh and they put in the caption it's like as a as ezra bridger is on his way back or something like that mm. because he's with the purgles which makes sense but uh and probably very 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 true mm -hmm. but i i love that that's one of those one of those easter eggs that isn't forced yeah it, it, it's not for I mean, it is for what do they call it? Fan service, but it's like it's good fan service. Yeah, it's, it's giving something that makes sense that was has been established in Star Wars that we haven't seen in live action. Like we've only seen it in animated uh, formats, and so to mm -hmm. see the Purgles in just it being a small part of the story, not a major part of the story, but again highlighting that they do exist and that of course they're traveling hyperspace was like super super cool and mm -hmm. i i really enjoyed that but let's talk about bo katan yeah and her scene so they went to this mandalorian war uh world after being on navarro mm -hmm. and din goes to bo katan and says i'm here to join you to where I, I saw someone say this and I'm going to propose it to you because I think it's, it's possible. And I think it's a real, it, it realistically can happen. I don't think that Bo-Katan is necessarily an antagonist mm. in the show as the trailers led us to believe mm -hmm. because of the conversation that they had Bo-Katan because she did not get the dark saber all the other Mandalorians that were under her left. Mm -hmm. They viewed her as not the ruler, future ruler of Mandalore. So she's in this Mandalorian castle by herself. Yeah. Because everyone has left her. And Din comes to her and says, I want to join you. And Bo-Katan's just like, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing here. You have the dark dark saber. I don't. It's over. Like, and you can't go to. You're part of the children of the watch, so you can't lead the Mandalorians, because the, or whatever. Like, there's just it, it can't happen. Yeah. And Din is he's going to continue to go on to try to go to the mines on Mandalore, but Bo Katan, I think for her. she kind of has the same same attitude as a defeated and people are probably going to get mad at this but a defeated luke skywalker in the last jedi mm -hmm. of now she's she herself no longer believes yeah. she has kind of given up hope and mm -hmm. considering bo-katan's story it, it it makes sense you know she was part of the original death watch that didn't go well yeah. Then she was with Ahsoka in the Siege of Mandalore, and it was successful for a little bit, but then the Empire comes and takes over again. Yeah. Then you have the events of Rebels to where she is given the Darksaber, and 
is credited to be the next ruler of Mandalore. And then the empire comes and you have the night of a thousand tears. Mm -hmm. You have that happen. And then Din Djarin gets the dark saber, but he's a children of the watch. And so there's no true ruler of Mandalore or however you want to slice it. So she has just been, she's experienced so much things and lost so much. And her character has developed so much so that this is what she's left it with yeah. at, at this point in time. She's tried so many times to like revive the Mandalorian culture and race and every single time she's been met with failure. So no wonder she's like given up at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think for her character, she will be in opposition of Din Djarin. Mm -hmm. But it more has to do I don't know, not necessarily because she desires that out of jealousy or, I mean, th there could be some that, that fuels it, of course, but I think it just comes from a place of just skepticism right. that has, that has developed within her. And so we're going to see that play out even more and more, but yeah, I think my prediction is that that skepticism will either lead her the other way or could have her finally turn the corner and turn the page and say, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to submit myself to Din Djarin as the ruler of Mandalore. With, but what do you think? How do you think Bo-Katan, how do you think her story fares in this season? Right. Well, I would say definitely based off of that first episode, I, I would agree with you that, um, the opposition that we get from her might not be in terms of coming to blows or Bogotan trying to lead a rival force against Din Djarin. Uh, but, I mean, I think probably there's a part of me that just hopes that she will, like you said, aid him in uniting the clans and uh, serve under him as the, the, the real Mandalore, the proper mm -hmm. Mandalore. Uh, but there's still so much that's left unanswered. And so I, I would almost just think I could see her just kind of living life in exile rather than like acknowledged in John's mm -hmm. Mandalore. I could see that as a very possible outcome. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I, I, I do think that her character is more going to be just like a kind of trying to erode Din Djarin's will as opposed to mm. uh, defeating him in combat. Yeah. So uh, based off of this first episode, how do you think, do you see the relationship between Din Djarin and the Children of the Watch? Do you see that relationship fracture in some way in this season in terms of the way that they go about doing things and the way that the rules are kind of set up? Do you see that that part of the relationship or, or those parts of their clan fracture the relationship that he has with them? Basically, is he going to end up forsaking their way 
of mm-hmm. living based on his journey in man on Mandalore? You know, I I kind of have a hard time seeing that simply because mm-hmm. whenever he was initially exiled and made apostate, he was in real distress and clearly he still cares about that even though he has these other opportunities to turn away mm-hmm. it is still important to him to be made right in the eyes of um, the armor and uh, the other people of that clan uh, so i think for the most part he will stick with them the, i guess the main question that that i have lingering is how in the world is he going to gather enough mandalorians to um to re-inhabit mandalore if like he has such a rigorous kind of group of people and they have rigorous uh limitations on what it means to be a mandalorian mm-hmm. and so much so that they won't necessarily associate with other people who just have the armor but don't follow the same ways I think somebody has to bend, but I'm not sure who it's going to be yet, right? So we have a few options. Either Din Djarin is going to bend, and he's just like, whatever. I'm just going to be like Bo-Katan and gather whatever Mandalorians I can find from the corners of the galaxy, Mm -hmm. and I don't need you. Or maybe Mandalorians might bend. Maybe they'll be like, actually, there's a reason why these traditions are passed on and we should accept that. Right. Finally, and and this is possible, though I don't think it's super likely, maybe the armor and uh, and her clan will bend. But I just... <laughs> the fact that they weren't able to accept Din Djarin back in, um, I mean, not necessarily like because he kill that big monster but i mean there's like no i guess fellowship allowed mm-hmm. and so I, I would find it really hard for them to change yeah oh so most of my my thoughts are wild uh and less likely than any of the options that you presented so <laughs> i think what I think will happen is I, I think what will happen is that Din will complete his task. He will find the minds of on Mandalore. He'll be cleansed from his, and pardoned for his transgressions. He will come back to the children of the watch. They will declare him no longer as an as as an exile but they embrace him as their leader because mm-hmm. i mean he has dark saber yeah and i could see the idea of other mandalorians not all some will come and say you know it's time we go back to our mandalorian traditions i could even see the armorer and J- and din or maybe din himself kind of declaring it's time for us to go back to the ways of Mandalore. Never taking off our helmets, this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. And k- 
kind of what we see in the time of the old Republic when, when the Mandalore calls, the Mandalore calls, right. Mandalorians will follow. Mm-hmm. Except not everybody, meaning Bo-Katan and who she can gather on her side. And there's a scene in the trailer of a bunch of Mandalorians and Din comes from behind them and walks forward. There's been speculation that that is Din answering the call or a challenge for the man Mandalorian throne. Mm-hmm. So it could be Bo-Katan. Yeah. That said, uh, nope, we're going to duke it out. And may the best person be Mandalore. Maybe. I, so that's one, that's one thing that I think could happen. The other thing that I think could happen is Din is going and searching for other Mandalorians. And in that, he sees the, the overreach of the Children of the Watch mm-hmm. and saying, these rules don't push us forward, but holds us back from being united together because he i mean maybe he encounters people who used to be part of the children of the watch and then they Mm -hmm. took off their helmet for a specific reason they found themselves outcast and thrown out and so maybe when we see that scene on the beach it is the mandalorian going against the armorer Mm -hmm. challenging her to combat and basically could, reforming the Mandalorians. Maybe. That could be. Um, but, and I feel like, I think whatever happens in that scene, it's mm-hmm. going to involve him using the Darksaber, yeah. which then made me remember, there's still that like that plot point that we get from earlier that we never really got to resolve because we found out that uh, Din Djarin was apostate uh, and that was that he doesn't really know how to use the dark saber, and so he has right. to learn to kind of use it in the <laughs> right kind of rhythm, right? Yeah, work with the blade instead of against it. So how is that resolved? Right? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think like how does he get out of that? It it really depends on what all we think they're going to accomplish mm. this season, right? Um, how many episodes is it supposed to be? Eight. Eight. So we only okay. have seven more. Yeah, <laughs> After I know. that, it's done. So, so things that we need to resolve in the in the season is with IG Eleven and the pirates mm-hmm. getting to Mandalore, and then um, returning to the Children of the Watch, and then maybe. Becoming Mandalore, I, I it's I don't know if we're going to get to his like rule as Mandalore mm-hmm. in this season. I think it might end with his like coronation. It it could. Now here's where Moff Gideon comes in because he is right. in season three. Yeah. What? In what way is he in this season? Are they... And and this could be a beautiful thing. Like, I think all of these things can happen. 
but we also see so here's what i think is going to happen obviously this is the imperial rem, uh, remnant this is leftovers of the empire and so i i think that there is a way that these things can kind of coincide and maybe this kind of now that i talk about it, now i'm changing my what i think is going to happen i think all these things can still happen uh it's just going to happen sooner rather than later mm -hmm. um so all of this stuff i think with the armor or bo katan however you want to see it all these things can still play out but either way, there is going to be a war between the Mandalorians and the Imperial Remnant, right. Moff Gideon's forces, mm -hmm. to where Din Djarin is going to be the one to lead all of Mandalore to avenge what has happened to him at the hands of the Empire. Right. I think that's what this season is going to be all about. I mean, that's what it's setting up to. How IG-11, I mean, we know how IG-11 fits on with that story, but how the pirates fit with Navarro and all that, I think it's just a really, just a, a much needed um, detour, I think, mm -hmm. from the main story that that makes sense of why Din would be involved. There's yeah. also, it's also been confirmed that Boba Fett is set to appear in season three of The Mandalorian. So maybe they're going to, he's going to recruit him and get his help, obviously, because it's Boba Fett. Right. Um, wh whether you think that he's been um, toned down from legends or whatever, uh, I think he's still very formidable, especially if you bring Finnick Sham with him. Right. That could be really cool. But I, I like the idea of, I think you're right. I think it still culminates at the end of the season with, Din Djarin becoming Mandalore. And you have Mandalore the Great, Mandalore the Wise. And do you remember what uh what Candorus is? Was oh, he like Mandalore the Conqueror? Maybe. I, I thought it was also like the reclaimer or something. It's something along those lines. You you can look it up while while I keep talking. But yeah, I, I do think that this season is Man, it's so it's it's going to be really really interesting on how it goes. And again, Star Wars fans, especially when they announced that Boba Fett was going to come back on, they said, "Oh, great! I hope Boba Fett gets his two episodes on the Mandalorian." And I'm just like, "You guys need to get over it." Yeah, seriously. It's it's been it's been a year now. Okay, like it's fine. Yeah, uh, is Mandalore the Preserver? Ah, yes, the Preserver. I. I, I literally just read Revan and I completely forgot what it was, what he was called, but super, super cool stuff. Um, but this first episode, like, again, people say that this was a filler. I, I just don't get that. Uh, if yeah. anything, it causes me to think more about, okay, what is actually going to go on this season? It sets up so much, so much story and so many possibilities within that story it's it's really hard to it's really hard to see it as a filler it's right really hard and and yeah especially i don't know how i feel like most people would call something filler based off of the way that it's paced compared to everything else 
And this is the first episode of the season. So we don't have anything to compare it with. So, like, how do we know if we're going fast or slow or if we're dragging or yeah, we're at a good pace? We don't. It's just the first episode. So I there's mm, again, I think this has more to do with people. People knew that this was setting up the Mandalore kind of story of us focusing on the Mandalorian. So as soon as they saw Navarro, they thought for filler. Mm-hmm. that's what I think happened. I think they saw Navarro and they said, okay, this is a little bit of a filler before we could actually do anything. Uh, and I just, I don't agree. I think yeah. too, too much happened in this one episode, whether you realize it or not, that sets up all the others. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I give this episode a 10 out of 10. Oh yeah. It was a fantastic episode. And I think really great way to kick off season, yeah. season three. Any final Definitely. thoughts? Um, Mandalorian castles are cool. Uh, <laughs> I I hope that in each episode we continue what we saw at the end of this one, where kind of Din Djarin is explaining things and teaching Grogu kind of like a father would. Uh, it would be fantastic if, like, basically every episode there is a different lesson. Uh, mm. I think that would be really nice but yeah that so what do you think about the idea i saw someone say this he says here's what i think is going to happen i I don't necessarily want it to happen but i think this was going to happen but uh, but so here's what he said he said that what's going to happen is that grogu is going to have his own helmet ceremony i think so he's going to get his own helmet and and everything your thoughts on, on that idea I'm not sure how it's going to look, but I think it definitely could happen. Uh, because, like, think about, like, artistically, you you begin with this, like, ceremony, this initiation ceremony for a child, and then you end with one. Yeah. Now, that being said the parallel might not necessarily be with Grogu as much mm-hmm. as it might be for Din Djarin. Right. Uh, so we start off the episode and we think that it's a flashback. And I think by design, like that's the point mm-hmm. is that even though this isn't literally Din Djarin's uh, initiation ceremony, he went through this exact thing. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see something Maybe in the coronation as Mandalore ceremony, we'll see something very similar, um, which I don't know exactly how that would work, but it would be really cool if he had Mm -hmm. a different helmet. I think Mandalores generally do have a different style of helmet than uh, Mandalorians. Uh, So it would be cool for him to have like a sort of big reveal with this, fancy new helmet yeah so so two two things so one i i think again when we go back to that initial scene with the child getting his helmet his helmet looked a lot like vizsla's um from season two and season one so parts of me think that 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 maybe is his son it could be especially since he goes to his defense kind of afterwards Mm -hmm. but yeah. So maybe. Yeah. 
their helmets just looked very very similar so uh like the style and the design looked very very similar so i just for some reason i just thought of that but two that's one thing we didn't we have we wasn't addressed in this episode is grogu's part of the story because mm-hmm. obviously again in the trailers we see the flashbacks we know that the empire is after him wanting his blood so that's also something that i i'm 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 really excited to see develop in this story is how does grogu fit in all of this up aside from him learning the ways of the mandalorians right and adopting them for himself uh for to me like you said i don't know how that's gonna work yeah but to me to see a yoda like species not associated with the jedi but associated with the mandalorians like that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting yeah for me i i think like we must be getting at least one episode where it'll be primarily from Grogu's perspective, I think. Because that's the going to be the moment whenever we get to do the flashbacks. And so something is going to happen, like Grogu's going to experience something in the present that is going to make him think about the, the night at the Jedi Temple. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. There's so much ground that they can and and i guess will cover this season um i kind of just want to watch it all already but (laughs) i guess i can wait a few weeks yeah that's where i'm at i here's what i'll say in terms of grogu i'm ready for him to start talking (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i don't know i'm I'm sick of grogu cooing (laughs) (laughs) and i feel bad for saying that but i i I really just want to know what he's thinking i mean and i want to know i want to know what are the kind of conversations that he and den have or could have right is really where i'm at i don't feel like that's such a bad thing to want because i think parents whenever they have like (laughs) They're little yeah. kids. At, at some point, they're just like, okay, you can start talking now. <laughs> and like, But then there's a time very shortly afterwards where he's like, okay, I, I want you <laughs> just to be quiet now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really ready for him to get out of this baby phase. Yeah. Which could be a hot take, but that's just how I feel. Well, I, and there are some <laughs> scenes, especially on Navarro, where I thought that he looked bigger than he has. but. Mm-hmm. I don't know that for a fact. I guess that's the problem with him, like being a long lived species and he's already in his fifties and he's still (laughs) tiny. I'm like, he's 50 years old. He can't talk now. Now here, here's one thing that a lot of people aren't big on, but I just want to get your thoughts on this and see what you think. So John Favreau came out with a timeline of, how how long all of these events in terms of the man the mandoverse how all that came together okay now season one and two happened in a span of two years okay now apparently the amount of time that luke and grogu were together training was for another two years 
Okay. So basically, Din and Grogu, timeline wise, have been apart for for two years. Okay. Your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that's fine. It's Favreau's project, so assuming that, <laughs> assuming that it's what he and um, shoot, I can't believe Filoni? Uh, Dave Filoni. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I blanked on his name. But as long as it's something that him and Dave Filoni have agreed on, I, I don't. Obviously, what he says goes. I think that works. I, I, I probably. Yeah, I kind of needed a little bit of a gap. Like, not not like I needed a gap as in, like, time in between right. in, enjoying seasons, but I needed there to be, like, a gap in the story where these characters can be, I guess, more matured in a way. I don't know. But I, I it was important for me that there be a gap. So I think two years in between is perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I think what people have an issue with is how the book of Boba Fett plays into, into all of that of when Boba Fett took over Jabba's palace and mm -hmm. his, his, you know, his reign and all that kind of stuff. To me, it's hard to see how that all of that, takes well okay no it's fine it, yeah. it's perfectly it makes sense because we also don't know when boba decided to go back to tatooine yeah. i was about it, to say just just because season two ends two years before season three starts doesn't mean that the little clip that we see at the end of season two that introduces the book of boba fett also happened at two the time years of season two before. like it could have been several months after the events of season two. Yeah. I, yeah. Because obviously Din didn't have a ship of his own. So he had to be riding around with Boba and Finnick for who knows how long. You also had to go through like Bo-Katan and her crew with all of that and seeing how all of that worked. So that wasn't immediate. That also could have taken quite a bit of time. I think what would help in, in terms of that, of, of maybe solidifying it a little bit more, is maybe if we had some like comics about some, some of the events that occurred in between season two of The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, like just seeing Dan and Boba together doing some missions or telling some kind of story to help fill the time of just making that work. But even then it's not extremely necessary. As yeah. long as we, as long as we can say that the end credit scene of Boba taking over the palace, say that happened months after what happened in season two, I think we're fine. Yeah. I think it makes sense, but yeah, that's going to do it for us here. Talking about, Season three uh, premiere, the first episode of The Mandalorian. Woo. Woo. Super excited about it. Um, really excited about what's to come. Oh, so yeah. make sure to tune in next week as we cover the second episode. So guys, just enjoy. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about this episode in particular, or even 
if you want to comment after next week's episode and say, hey, love to see your thoughts on this, make sure if you're watching on YouTube to comment those questions or those or those responses. Uh, And also make sure to like, share and subscribe to the channel as well as we continue to grow uh, our podcast over YouTube. But if you're listening to the audio version, make sure to leave us a rating uh, as that helps us grow as well. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and also let us know your thoughts on starwarshistorians at gmail.com as well as subscribe uh, or follow on Instagram at the SW Historian as well. But for Luke, this is David on the Star Wars Historian Show on the Gazebo Fight Network and on YouTube. And until next time, may the force be with you.